People are missing the fact of why he's a savior is because of how desperately needy and wicked we are without Christ. So that that is the key component, you know, it's the second component in that three things that you gave. If we just skip over that, people are lost without a true understanding of, of who this savior is, how glorious he is. Welcome to the Gary Wilkerson podcast. Um, one more week with without Gary, he's still traveling and preaching. And so we are going to continue having conversations with uh, Evan Wilkerson here. And, and AJ, pronounce your last name oh, for yeah, me. Oh, yeah, Nicondro. Nicondro. Yeah, I always yeah. want to say Nicondro because of the way it's spelled. Um, <laughs> both of you representing our Next Gen department, both uh, – Men of God, um, great speakers, and so we. Uh, I was real encouraged by the last podcast that we had together, and so, so looking forward to uh, to continue having a conversation with you. You know, we we talked a little bit last time we were together about what's going on with this generation, and um, and and even though the gospel never changes, the truth never changes, um, but finding un- unique ways to meet people where they are, and I think. Uh, I think that that's a biblical precedent when you look at the ministry of Paul. You know, Paul dealt with the people of Corinth different than he dealt with, you know, Jewish believers or uh, the church at Rome or the church at Galatia. So I think, you know, we're not we're not saying the truth ever changes. The truth is powerful. But but I think, you know, he was very wise when he said to the Jew, he was a Jew and to the Greek, he was a Greek. Mm-hmm. And so today I wanted to kind of continue. We we, we briefly sort of scratched the surface of the gospel um, in our last podcast, but I kind of want to talk about something that I feel like uh, that it's not just the next generation. It's really uh, within the church. You just see a lack of preaching um, what I would consider um, the full counsel of God and the full counsel of the gospel. And, and so really it's about talking about sin um, and, and, you know, something that the Bible is filled with. And I think, you know, a lot of that has to do with, you know, people thinking wrongly about how, how we reach people, you know, Um, almost like ignoring the problem um, will serve good consequences. You know, be like if you came to the doctor and we all want to get a good report and we go to the doctor, you've been working out, you've been eating right. You're thinking, hopefully this guy's going to give me a clean (laughs) bill of health, but it would be malpractice if the doctor knew something Mm -hmm. that, that, that was wrong with you and he didn't carefully and professionally, um, you know, make you aware of it. I think, and I think that's kind of the, the problem we have with sin today. We think if we ignore it, it'll go away. Or we think if we deal with it, that it's going to push people away. But the truth is, um, it's something that's common to humanity. Um, Mm -hmm. and so anyways, uh, you know, since we're all preachers here, we're all ministers, I kind of wanted to talk about the preaching of sin um, and, and discussing sin. And so I'm just going to start by giving uh, uh, an explanation of what I think the gospel is and, and why it's so important. And then we can break into a conversation. You know, for me, I believe that the book of Romans and I didn't invent this. I feel like uh, all gospel preachers and church history and Orthodox Christianity support this. Um, but the idea of the gospel being presented, um, we have to do three things. One is we have to rightly define, biblically define who God is. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells us that God is holy. He's holy, holy, holy. And this is the reason 
um, that that God can't be with sin is because he's perfectly just and perfectly holy. Um, and so that's one of the elements of the gospel is, is rightly defining God, presenting God um, in his character rightly. And then the second is sin. The reason we can't be with God, the reason we we needed Christ to come save us is because we're sinful. And this is all of humanity. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so, you know, we see God in his holy perfection. And then when we compare ourselves to God, we see wretched lost sinners. This includes a, a former drug addict like me. This includes a guy who grew up in the church and maybe didn't do all the same things I did. This includes your grandmother who <laughs> yeah. you probably never heard curse and she <laughs> apparently lived for God all her days. Yeah. This includes a, a little girl who gave her life to, to Christ at eight years old. And so we see the holiness of God. Uh, we see the sinfulness of men. And these two things being preached about and elevated biblically show us the need for grace. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think an effort to, um, to win people over um, on a very fleshly level that we, we think we can just preach about grace mm -hmm. um, without really explaining who God is and without really diving too deep into sin. And so I'll, I'll just kind of open it up with, with this question. What is your, um, you know, sort of experience or belief, or do you want to comment on any of the things I said about the gospel? But thinking about how sin, and not not that there aren't churches that biblically present the gospel and that talk about things the way the Bible talks about it, but overall, do you think that that our culture is a culture that the church culture that minimizes sin in an unhealthy way or doesn't spend enough time talking about it or redefines it to make it a little less egregious. I mean, what are your feelings about that? Yeah, absolutely. I see a lot of pastors that are are preaching half of the gospel. They preach <laughs> the got the the positive side. There's a there's a positive and negative theology. There's scripture that says uh, we we preach sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. We a lot of people are preaching some of the sound doctrine, but you never see any refuting of of people who are contradicting sound doctrine. And so I see a lot of positive theology. I see, and and it can be really good theology. This right. is this is who Christ is. This is how good He is to us, and He's our Shepherd. He laid down His life for us, and Amen for that. But. People are missing the fact of why he's a savior is because of how desperately needy and wicked we are without Christ. So that that is the key component. You know, it's the second component in that three things that you gave. If we just skip over that, people are lost without a true understanding of, of who this savior is, how glorious he is, because he sacrificed so much for such different desperate, wicked sinners. So I, I see a lot of not just positive grace message, but not even the gospel, but something else. It's it's pseudo gospel. It's pseudo uh, messaging and, and self-help. Christianity. Yeah. It's, Suco, it's pseudo psychological self-empowerment. Self yeah. and, and morality. If you if you can be a better person and some people walk away from Christianity when you preach that they think that's what true Christianity is and they don't want any part of it. They, they can get trying to be a, a better person <laughs> from some other podcast from some other church. But what 
we need, what's in our hearts, is to confront this this absolute broken necessity for a savior. And and so yeah, it's it's tragic to see. And I also, you know, I I have mercy, I have grace for them. I've never been a pastor. So I don't know what it's like to be on stage week to week. So I'm kind of in this place where I, I think, who am I to cast any judgment? But I'm under great leadership from my dad and from you. And you can't help but avoid what scripture clearly teaches. If we don't realize that we've all gone astray, what does it matter to find Christ? No mm. doubt. That's really good. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the the things that we really two things that really contribute to that is one is pastors believe that they're called to build a church when Christ actually builds the church, mm. um, and two I think it's the fact that we that we think if we can attract people with the positive that almost like we can do a little switcheroo on them mm. at, the, at the end. But I, I think that you know the Bible tells us that um, you know that we I I think the fact that what you're talking about self-help and pseudo-psychological sort of Christianity, um, it really – there's only two like things that can come of it. One is um, a person that's self-deceived is going to think that they're actually walking it out. You know, right. they've, yeah. They're the person <laughs> that good. looks at the law of God and they say – Oh yeah, I'm a pretty good person, and mm-hmm. I and I am, uh, you know, I just need a couple of action steps to do a little better. Mm-hmm. Then you have the the sincerely honest person, and and they're left with despair because they know they can't, especially when they, um, when they look at God's word. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, I think that's uh, what about you know, growing up with you, did was sin something preached about uh, often? Where in the sort of context that you grew up, AJ, or was it something that? Was wasn't dealt with a lot, or or maybe over dealt with. I don't know. Man, I uh, I was gonna kind of touch on the other side yeah, of like what Evan was saying too, and what you're saying is just like, um, it. However, I heard it. You know, a lot of it was just saying like, sin is bad, and this is the consequence. You're gonna go to hell. Like, mm-hmm. if you do this, you're gonna go to hell. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the heck? Okay, well, what if I already have done it? Is it too <laughs> late? Right, like, yeah. is this like is sin like if I already messed up? then all right, I messed up. So then there's no hope for me. Then I just mess up and I'm going to keep messing up and it's going to continue to roll into that. And it's it's almost like accepting of that where I think that's very dangerous And if we don't go deeper. Like what is truly sin? Like sin mm. is not just, oh, it's bad. And if you don't do it, you're going to go to hell. It's like sin is obviously missing the mark that you, you'll just never, you're, and you're never going to like, with Christ, that's why he needed to die for all of us and like save us from sin is because we can never self-help ourselves to get to that point. Mm. Right. And I think that creates like a, a sort of pride, like a pride of just like, well, if I do a little bit more better, at least I wasn't how I was before. Mm. You're still a sinner. Right. Like, And the things that you do that are good should come from an outpour of what God's doing in you, not so that you have to achieve a higher standard, of like, I heard it said best, best said once. It's like, like somebody was like, well, you're not. Jesus didn't die for your for your sins so that you can you know walk your way up and reach to Him. Like He mm. brought heaven down to you for you to then die for you so that you don't have to. It's not in your strength, but mm-hmm. out of the love and the grace that God has given you, you want to do that for others. Like you want to love others and for yourself and for Jesus. And it's like. So, yeah, I think on the other side, I just always think like, yeah, it's like, all right, you sin, you're going to go to hell. This is mm. unf- like, and then so many people are like asking, oh, what's the unforgivable sin and mm. all of these things. Yeah. And it's like, no, like 
you got to focus on what is Jesus like? What has Jesus done for you that you can never do for yourself? And that's to and that's to save you. That so, sounds like yeah. getting stuck at point number two. You, right. You realize that God is holy and that we're sinners and then not moving to the gospel, the end of the gospel, which is we're saved by grace through faith. Right. Exactly. I think it's in Romans 5. I have it written down here. Romans 5, 20, you know, that basically says, you know, where sin greatly abounds, grace abounds more. more. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you, there's the when dealing with sin, you deal with two fundamental problems. You deal with people that preach sin hard because they because they're preaching morality. You know, mm-hmm. there is like they're almost like, listen, you need to get your act together. You know, <laughs> you know, almost yeah. like trying to scare you into not sinning. Um, and then the other side of it is just removing sin altogether and just preaching about grace. And and I think the the problem is is both are damnable to the person who who doesn't mm. understand Christ mm. because we do have to preach sin, yeah. We, but we have to preach it rightly. Like we have to preach the law of God, but we but to preach it without grace is is harmful. And so you know I, I'll tell you a little a little preacher's joke that I heard someone say one time. Um, there was this pastor. Um, who I hope this isn't the equivalent of like an older minister dad joke, but <laughs> but it but it has some truth. Okay, it definitely it is. is. Has yeah. some truth to okay. it. Um, there was this pastor, and he preached on hell week after week after week, and finally the church board got together and they just said, "Hey, listen, you're, you know, we're voting you out. We're we're going to bring in a new pastor." And he was real bummed out about it, and so he went on with his life, and um, he was wondering what has been going on with the church, and so. He asked one of the the congregants, you know, and he said, hey, how's the new preacher? And they're like, oh, we love him. And uh, it was like, well, what's he been preaching on? He's like, man, for the last probably two months, he's been preaching on hell. And he's like, well, what's the problem? And he goes, well, the problem is, is that he preaches on hell. You preached on hell like you wanted us to go there. <laughs> and, and I think oh, and I think that's, that's the sort crazy. of the, wow. but that's funny, but that's it's really, sort of true. It's like yeah, true. so we preach about hell, we preach about sin because they're realities. Mm. But 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 these things should be so good. should be magnifying of the grace that God gave us. Mm. So I think we live in a generation today, you know, just to mention it, with sins that are um, the church is reimagining, um, minimizing about sexual immorality or about, mm. you know, these social issues that we get into, uh, abortion and these sort of things. And so we get in this weird place where we start trying to um, over mag- – we, we do one of two things. We over magnify certain sins or we start diminishing them because we don't mm. want people to feel two. bad about them because we're thinking, what if someone has had an abortion? What if someone is immoral um, or has been immoral? But mm. the truth is um, the message isn't that sin – those sins are the unforgivable sins or that um, we minimize those sins. Sin is sin. We have to preach the grievousness of sin. We also have to more vigorously preach that Jesus came to save sinners. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the place where the gospel has to be that all-encompassing thing that says, yeah, you you killed someone. Um, well, Paul yeah. was party to murder too. You were sexually immoral. Um, and I think I think the problem is is we we're so used to Christian morality. That's why when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, oh, you feel good about yourself because mm. you never cheat on your wife. But have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Because yeah. he wasn't just concerned about the fruit on the edge of the tree, right. the root that it was connected to. And the root that it's connected to in That's all so of good. humanity yeah. is 
a sinful fallen heart. And uh, the answer isn't not talking about it, but the answer is also not, um, you know, if you don't preach sin and Jesus came to save sinners, it's it's a cruel thing. And and even many people do this in the church. They they don't preach that you have to do works to be saved, but they almost make it seem like now that you're saved, here's how you maintain your salvation. Right. <laughs> now that yeah. you're saved, now here's this morality and the 10 steps to becoming a better person. It's like, no, that's not what happens. The Holy Spirit indwells you and mm. and through a godly community, you're going to be sanctified. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Through, through reading the word, through prayer, you're going to be sanctified. I also think too, not to talk uh, and make this a monologue, but I think it's also too, because to preach an open-handed biblical gospel, um, the reliance really has to be on the power of the Spirit. 100%. I mean, in, in, in salvation, listen, I preach the truth of the gospel, but my goal isn't to make you understand it. I, I just want to accurately portray who Christ is according to the scripture. But I'm also praying simultaneously that God does work in your heart. In your heart you know, in yeah. the parable of the sower, um, it doesn't give any instruction to tilling or tending land. That's We don't have that power. We don't have that authority. We don't – we can't change the condition – of the, the the soil or the heart, um, God just mm. tells us to throw seed and 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 do it correctly and do it honestly. And so I think I think that in that place we we um, the, when we preach the gospel we we try to be the Holy Spirit. That's what leads to hard handed more morality preaching. Mm. But also sometimes pastors as as Christians discipling Christian people. We also try to do the work of the Holy Spirit, yeah. too, because we don't really have confidence that it's actually God who's sanctifying people. So I preach about sin. I preach about what God says is right and wrong, but it's only God who actually, you know, the, I, I love this, the quote, and I, I've said it in many forms, but I've also, I'm sure that I stole it from, you know, some Puritan or theologian, yeah. but, um, you know, it's, it, there's the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian isn't that the Christian doesn't sin anymore. It's our attitude towards sin. The sin we once loved now because God has transformed yeah. our heart, we hate. Because we love God, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm sad when I fall short um, because I love God. Yeah. But but I also believe by faith that he's the one who saved me and he's the one who's changing me. Mm. I really think that's good. a really good indicator uh, for young adults to know that when they're struggling with sin, that 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 doesn't mean that they're not saved anymore. Yeah. Some Some young adults that I'm discipling, you know, I lusted, I, I watched pornography, I, I did this, lost my temper. You know, I just don't know if I'm saved anymore. Mm. And the fact that they're bringing up those issues with me is an indicator, a good indicator that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying them, working in them because they're mourning over this sin. If they weren't really saved, then they wouldn't care. They they would boast about what they're doing just like the right. rest of the world does. So just as an encouragement for any young adults who are listening, that that mourning is in one sense a good thing because it's showing that God is working you to move you away from those those sins. And then one day you look back and, you know, look at how far you've come, look at how much closer you are you are to Christ. So it is a it's a yeah. sanctifying process. It's not a 10 step morality guidebook. It's a it's a, a, a process that the Holy Spirit works in you. Yeah, I was going to add to that, like the like the scripture that comes to mind is like 
I think Paul says he's like it's not that you're sinless but that you sin less and it's like it's like the play on words but I think mm-hmm. when he talks about sinless it's like being not sinning is not the goal like the goal is Jesus relationship with God being having a sin less means like that's the fruit mm. of a relationship with God and it's like that's how you build that that love like your goal is not so that you can be a sinless person or that you you have to follow all the morals of the Bible or or the commandments like cuz it, it already shows in the old testament that people tried that and they they failed miserably and it's like you don't want to live that out again cuz Jesus said you don't have to like he came and it's like it's like now being sinless, like to sin less is showing that it's the fruit of your life of having a relationship with God. The conviction that you feel for doing things that you know are not good for you how in and towards others. And it's like, well, it just that just takes off the pressure, I feel like for young adults of feeling like, well, I don't know if I even want to have a relationship with God if it means for me not doing the things that I struggle with doing already. It's like, um, I feel like, getting saved i feel like a lot of people that got saved just became like they are saved and then the beginning of it like you said it was like a process of like getting away from the addiction it wasn't like what you said in your testimony you got saved but it got worse yeah but does that mean that you're not like does that mean that no your view on sin is different it was just god like taking that out of you you know and and now look at you now like but it took time right and so i think it's just i think also it's impatience with sin it's like oh my gosh like God, I thought this was supposed to be delivered for me right now. Like, mm. no, it's it's a process. Your whole life, basically, like, and it, but then that doesn't mean, like, you look towards that as like a way of, like, a uh, like a way of, oh, I'm gonna sin, or it's just like, oh, th- now that I'm saved, I get to go ahead and sin. And I feel like a lot of people think that too. Mm. I think it's because we we don't we don't vet out the gospel pro- properly, mm. and I think because. We do have to have a serious attitude towards sin, especially yeah. in our own personal life. You know, the John Owen talked about the mortification of sin. You know, he mm. said famously said, be killing sin or sin be killing you. Mm. <laughs> um, but I think the reason that that can be convoluted is we get the categories mixed up. So a true Christian is justified before God on the basis of what Christ did. That's Christianity. We are justified because Jesus died for our sins. Mm. No works, not of works, lest no man should boast, Ephesians 2 tells us. So in justification, we are, our confidence is in Christ, in Christ alone. Mm. We're saved. We're secure because of Jesus. Second category, sanctification. The true Christian's Mm. heart will hate sin, like you talked about. You're mourning over your sin. What does it say in Matthew, you know, the Beatitudes? It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm. Blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted. Blessed Mm. are those who are meek. You know, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be filled. That's so good. The true believer hungers and thirsts to be right with God. They want to be right with God. And their faith is in the fact that Christ has done that. But I also think... Once we have that securely understood, we're, I'm, I'm okay because of Christ. I'm saved because of Christ. Then we can we can take the practical measures of attacking sin. And so, for instance, for a guy who is struggling with pornography, it's going to take more than just well-wishing. It's going to take setting some boundaries in your life. Yeah. It's going to – addiction. It's going to take some things, you know. But the difference between the non-believer – and the believer who deals with any of these issues, I just mentioned two common issues that I've, you know, discipled a lot of men through, um, is this true heart's desire 
to be free of these things. Mm -hmm. And so the the person that's saying, if I can overcome this, I'll have a better marriage or if I can overcome addiction, maybe I'll have a better job and money in the bank. Mm. Those aren't the real reasons that bring lasting freedom. The real Mm. reason freedom comes is because of Christ. And like you said, it doesn't always happen in a moment. And, And God uses these things to conform us to the image of Christ. Mm. So we do have to have a serious attitude towards sin. But I think the problem sometimes is, is we try to inflict that on people that maybe don't have their true, truly have their faith in Christ Mm. and, and, or people who do have their faith in Christ think that, that their right standing with God is dependent on their best day or their worst day. And the problem with that sort of thinking is, is that you think because you had an improper thought towards a woman and you looked at pornography that you, you really missed the mark. But the fact that you told a white lie at work doesn't really affect your conscience mm-hmm. that much. Mm-hmm. And both of those sins are damning. Both of those sins are grievous in God's sight. Um, and so I think that instead of saying that, and I think we do this because society, even church society says, you know, you got, you know, we told a white lie. Um, we we weren't honest about something. We yelled at our wife, you know, sexual immorality, you know, homosexuality. You know, we have this, <laughs> this these things. So when levels, when yeah. the wages of all sin is damnable yeah. before God. And having that gospel-centered mindset makes us not, you know, happy towards sin or passive towards sin but it makes us rest in our salvation so mm. that we can do the work of of being conformed to the image of Christ, which has a lot more to do with surrendering than it does with action steps. But that doesn't mean that there's not practical things. It wasn't until that I was a believer that I actually wanted, was willing to do whatever it took to be free from addiction. And mm. you know, I was willing to submit. I was willing because my heart had changed rather mm. than the, the last thing I'll say is this. The believer doesn't mourn sin or the the consequences of sin. That's everybody. We all mourn the consequences right. of our sin. Yeah. You mourn you mourn the fact that your mom was disappointed that you oh, went yeah. to jail again. 100%. You were you know does. that yeah. that you feel bad about yourself because you did something you shouldn't have did. But the true believer doesn't mourn the consequences of sin. We mourn sin itself, mm-hmm. and that is that is the evidence of the gospel transformed life. It's kind of like what you were saying. Some people will try to get better so that their marriage will be better. They're trying to cut out pornography, lust, anger, so that their job will be better. But the true believer mourns over sin is because they're in relationship with their Savior. They're, mm. They've seen and tasted Jesus Christ. They've treasured Christ above all else. And I think that's where the real mourning over sin comes from. It's not because you want to get your pieces in order and just have a better life. It's because you're actually living for the Creator and you want to do everything you can Amen. to please Him. That's Amen. Really good. What uh, what role do you do you think, um, you know, just practical question. It's a hard question to answer, but <laughs> what what role do you think the the Holy Spirit plays in that? As far as like day to day life, like where's the line between doing and allowing God to work in your life? I mean, and just in your practical experience. I mean, once you yeah, oh man, all right. Um, no, yeah, I I think I think Holy Spirit. Um, ah, I, I, I mean, for me, I think everyone still, even as a believer, right? You, your heart changes, but you still have choice. And so mm-hmm. like, you have to choose to partner with the Holy Spirit in your life to mm-hmm. do the things that he is convicting you to do. And it's like, 
Holy Spirit like has the like is is like from what I know and correct me if I'm wrong but like <laughs> I'm still learning too but like like an advocate like he's like the one that is partnering like alongside you in this life to show you what is better for you to do anyway he leads us he into leads all us. truth he mm -hmm. convicts us of sin yep. um he magnifies Christ so exactly. yeah exactly and so like that's so good and that and in that like that's the same that's just, it's what he does and that that's the role he plays but then there's a responsibility part on our side in any relationship like you have to give your 100 percent too like every any relationship that will thrive is not just 50 50 it's like 100 percent, 100 percent. like god will give you he's already given you everything that you need to live a holy life now it's you having the choice to be like all right well do i want to live this life but is my motivation again like where's the motivation at? i feel like you will last longer if your motivation's found in relationship and in communion with god rather than oh it's i just want to do this because well because i want to look as if i'm a i'm a better minister mm -hmm. or i teach better or like the weight of my words i have this more authority when i don't sin and that's not going to last as long because what happens when the pulpit is taken away what happens when the things that are like temporary that you have in your life become something that is no longer a factor mm. and i feel like i've even even being a believer for as like what seven years i've seen like things like shift in my life and then just like wanting to sin and mm. it's like god no like i have to adjust like i can't just be like oh this was because i was in this area that i didn't sin mm. or it was because i was surrounded by these people that i didn't sin. no it's because i love you and it's because i want to do what you've called me to do in a way that in, in a way that's like not like like just like hindered or like on a way that it's like relying on like all these things rather than just my relationship with God. So I I mm. think that's kind of where I'm at with that. But mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I gave you the hardest question. I know, and you said go first. I was like, man, we need the seasoned guys to do it, not me. No, no just like, but he mentioned something really, good. really crucial that I've been very puzzled about at times, where you said it's a hundred percent the Holy Spirit and a hundred percent us. And mm. some days I feel like that honestly, and then other days. I think, no, actually it's 100% the Holy Spirit and it's 0% me. Mm. But then you have verses like in Philippians where it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works and wills in you. So in that picture, both of us are working. I'm not saying that we can sanctify ourselves, no but doubt. we do yeah. have to be sold yeah. out. We do have to be wholehearted about living for Christ. Is he really our Lord? And if he's our Lord, then we do what he's commanded us so you know he says why do you call me lord lord and not do what i ask you to right not do what i command you to so those who love me keep yeah. my commandments so there is a real hunger and That's pursuit really for for righteousness you have to be all in you can't be 50 20 percent but the actual sanctification part it has to happen from the holy spirit because we don't we don't have it in ourselves mm -hmm. and Thank God for that. Thank yeah. God that it's the Holy Spirit working in us because it would just be too hard and too beyond us to try to become right. like Christ in our own in our own power. And it's a good thing. It's a comforting thing that the Holy Spirit convicts us and keeps transforming us into his image. I think there's a misconception about what conviction and repentance looks like when it's actually a really beautiful, intimate thing with the Holy Spirit where he can point something out in your heart and you just go, yeah, you're so right. God, thank you for opening my eyes to see that blind spot that I, I, I didn't recognize before. 
now I can change and now I can do what's more pleasing to you. Yeah. You, you, may, you mentioned something that makes me think of uh, something that I, I taught a Devo on one time um, at my the ministry I pastored before for our staff, but um, it was so revelatory to me. The idea of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you know, it says the mercies of God are, are renewed every morning. Mm. But sometimes for me, the mercy of God has been his conviction. Mm-hmm. It's been that God has yeah. shown me mercy by opening my eyes to blind wow. spots and mm. to um, and I, I think one of the things about sin in the Christian life, we mortify it, we we fight it, we 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 realize that it's grievous, it's separated us from God. We we have to view sin that way. But I also understand now that the dependency of seeing myself for who I really am, mm-hmm. sinful, weak. I mean, even as a Christian, I I, I don't – I'm not like so far – I don't sin. Like you said, the, the sins – I'm not like abounding in sin. Like there are things where I can look <laughs> at my life and say, man, God has freed me from this. Yeah. And God is freeing me from this. And God is keeping me in this area. But but it's shown me my utter dependence and need for Christ, and that, that is a mercy mm-hmm. to have my eyes open to that every day, um, realizing that because the truth is in my own personal life, I even though I people from the outside would say, oh yeah, you you know you're not you know mm-hmm. doing sexually immoral things, and you're not you haven't done drugs in decades and all this kind of stuff. But when I look at my own heart. When, when God shines the light of his word in my own heart, um, I realize I need God more today than I did even in the beginning, even mm-hmm. when I was like – when my sin was just so obvious. Right. And, I, and, I, and I think it really comes down – that doesn't mean that God isn't changing me, conforming me, but I, I just feel like that for me the smallest worldly – you know, the world may say, oh, that's a small sin – but it reminds me of the fact that it's God who saved me and is saving me. And um, yeah, I, really good. I, there's a there's a message I, I preach in Hebrews um, that I, I – we're just about out of time. I feel like I dominate a lot of the conversation. I'm sorry for no, that. No, you're good. But, but there's this idea of striving and then there's this idea of resting. And, and people sometimes preach hard on both of those sides. But I think those of us who are at rest in Christ – strive. Mm. We strive to mm. to live for God's glory. We strive to mortify sin in our life, mm. not so that we can be saved or so that we can maintain our salvation, but because we're at rest in Christ. And I think people who you can either be at rest at Christ and strive against sin, or you can be at rest in your sin, mm. which puts you in a position of striving against God. Wow. And as the that's believer, mm. when we're at rest in Christ, and Dang, that's why the gospel that so isn't something we do at the beginning of Christianity. It's something that continually makes us refocus on who Christ is, what Christ has done for us, what Christ is doing through us. And so I, I hate sin, but God has used my weakness and my sin to, to not only to show me my need for him, but to conform me to the image of Christ. He takes all things. He works all things together for the yeah. good of those. That's such a him. humbling perspective. I feel like, you know, scripture is clear that when a, somebody becomes a new believer, not to let them preach yet because they might get proud. I think it's the same with sin. When you're battling sin, when you become a new believer, you're like patting yourself on the back. You know, I, I've done these good things. Oh, right. Yeah. And, and yet, 10 years later in your salvation, you are so sickened by, you know, what that old self might see as very little or petty sins. And it just shows how much God works in you and and that absolute desperation on on Jesus Christ. You know, he said, 
abide in me. For apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. You can do absolutely nothing. So I, I love that dependency on Christ. I think it's so true. Yeah. Amen. To add one more thing, because I, I just there's something that he said that I needed to also square away because I had to get on my chest. Um, <laughs> the part of like 100%, 100%. Mm. I, I think the part of our 100% with God looks totally different than any relationship we have. I think it's submission. Mm. I think it's the 100% of submission is like what I'm like. It's not like effort 100% of like when you think about a relationship with, you know, husband and wife, you're like, I have to give my 100% effort, of course. Mm. Um, but I think with God in sin, it's like submission. It's like sometimes your 100% will look like you like, oh, yeah, you know, God, I'm I'm chilling. Like, I'm not feeling like <laughs> I want to sin right now. Right. But then another 100% is you like, oh, my gosh, God, I am feeling so tempted to mm. sin right now. I just, and God's like, just call someone or, hey, like take one, take an action step and I'm going to be there right there. It's mm -hmm. like that one step, mm -hmm. that's submission. Mm -hmm. And like, you've told me that too. It's like, it's like, at least don't just give up. Mm -hmm. Your hundred percent looks like you submitting to Christ and just giving him your all and whatever that is, it can look different in any circumstance. But I think that's, that's the part of like, I'm, I'm saying of like relationship with, with God in, in terms of sin. Cause yeah, Holy Spirit. He does all the work, Amen. Um, but yeah. it's our it's our submission to him to do the work so that he can and let go of control and be like, I can't do it. God, mm -hmm. you can. So that's yeah, that's, that's so yeah. good. And we, we all feel the, the temptation to 100%, do yeah. it on ourselves, you know, that it's all on us. And, mm -hmm. and whether it's subconsciously or we just get into some stream of Christianity where we make this this effort. So everybody has that phase where we think it is all on all us, on but us, that's yeah. a really good point that you brought up, man. That's good. Well, guys, we're out of time. And, uh, you know, this is what's fun about this is this is the same sort of conversations we have up in my office, you know, yeah. it's uh, just being able to uh, do it for a uh, an audience. I hope uh, that we get opportunity to do this again in the future. Thank you guys for being on uh, the Gary Wilkerson podcast. And also thank you for the, the work that you're doing for yeah. our ministry. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really grateful to be co-labors along with both of you. Yeah. And thank you for leader, leading us. This is a good man here, Joshua West. <laughs> I'm just, I'm grateful, Likewise. honestly, for for his leadership and how educated and knowledgeable you are in the word. So, um, so good. Yeah. It's just good to follow your lead. And thanks so much for having us on the Gary Wilkerson podcast. Praise the Lord. So good. Well, um, if you haven't already, if this is encouraging to you, maybe consider subscribing to our podcast um, on YouTube or uh, through our website. If you haven't visited the website, it's worldchallenge.org. And uh, you can see the many things we do as we're uh, sharing the uncompromised gospel of Jesus Christ uh, here in America and around the world. And so uh, maybe consider uh, looking at some of the other things we do, but also pray with us as we as we as we try to seek and save the lost and present Christ to people and and to help people become disciples of this word. And uh, uh, Gary, we're praying for you as you're out ministering this week. And uh, God bless you. We'll see you next time. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in the mission of World Challenge. Thank you for listening and supporting. World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Visit us online at worldchallenge.org.